everyone. DigitCastCorner.com, podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, May the 22nd. Uh, the rain, I believe, has passed. Um, hopefully, um, I won't have to worry about waterscapes outside of my window. Um, out here in Tuckahoe, we got hit pretty hard uh, the other day, and there's like all kinds of randomness from that. So, uh, hopefully, everybody out there is 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 good um, from these. Uh, I, it was like a week straight of rain or some nonsense. Um, but anyway, uh, on to happier topics. Uh, we're we're going to talk about. Um, Dave went to uh, the spring social. Um, I don't remember what location it was, Dave. Which location was it? It's Stanton, so the mid okay, Stanton. Okay. Um, so he's going to talk to us about that. This is I joked before we started recording that this is the one episode a year where Dave has to carry the show, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. That voice you heard, that is Dave Spence up in Fishersville. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm just doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And uh, Dave had his first. Is that the first time anybody's like heard your voice and was like, "Hey, I think I know you." Is that that was that your first time? I don't think it was a voice. I just think he put two and two together. When, when I, yeah, yeah. So Dave's mailman, um, a, a gentleman named Justin. Hi, Justin. Yeah. Uh, shout out from the podcast. Um, he was like, "Hey, are you Dave from the Cavs Corner Podcast?" Um, I did have. I, I've had something similar like that, but it was not nearly as cool. So we're not going to tell that story. Up in um, Arlington, uh, Justin Ferber is happy that the Caps have moved on to Game Seven. Uh, he 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 got out of last night's uh, win in one piece. So I'm glad to see and hear that. How are you, my friend? I'm alive. Uh, a little tired, uh, a little worse for the wear, but but content nonetheless. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. You're you're alive and uh, much in the way that your hashtag all caps are alive. See what I did there? Uh, That's right. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. Okay, so in Stanton, uh, was that Wednesday night, Dave? Was it Wednesday? Uh, last Thursday. Thursday. I, yeah. I had a 50-50 shot. Yeah. Um, so it was you. How many people at this kind of event? Man, I'm so terrible at guest meeting crowds, but um, it's at a place called Sugarloaf Farms in outside of Stanton. Um, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I mean, they have a barn. I- I'm guessing a few hundred at least. I mean, it- it's packed every year. It does, you know, the tickets are free, but it's first come first serve, and it always sells out. So it's always a great event. This is my third year going, third or fourth since we moved up here. So I always have a great time. Would you say that these fans were exuberant? Were they? What, what was the what Look, was I'll, the mood so, in this year's shindig? Um, well, this this is my third one now. I'm just doing the math in my head. So the first year I went Bronco, you know, they alternate these things. If you if you're a member of the VAF and you you see their schedules, if Tony's at the event, then you get an assistant football coach and vice versa. So that means every every place usually rotates. They get the head coach for basketball one year, head coach for football the next. So we got Bronco a couple years ago, his very first, you know, um, donor tour, if you will, before he even coached the game. And then last year we got Tony, and this year we got Bronco again. It's a much different crowd when Tony's there. Like, when Tony's there, as soon as he walks in, he's mobbed. Like, there's a lot of people waiting to meet him. Bronco and Raider came in, um, I want to say, probably 45 minutes before the presentation was to begin. And they pretty much stayed at the door and talked to one or two people. You know, he never got mobbed until other people started to see him. Towards the end, a few people came up. But, I mean, when Tony's there, there's literally a line of people waiting to talk to him. So it's just different energy. Hmm. 
with um with these kind types of events i mean since having i've never actually been to one myself so i'm gonna use you as the resource here um the format is so there's a there's a time for like mingling and then there's a, a an actual sort of program where uh, you typically hear from um not just the coach but there's a q and a take yeah. take us through sort of what what kind of happens yeah i mean if you are a member of the v a f or or are considering it you can go as a prospective member um there there are great events to go to it's basically there's an hour or hour plus of social tom which is you know open bar uh this particular event open bar with really nice catered you know catered to fair um buffet style but usually you know usually everyone knows everyone they're talking it's just kind of people mingling and the coaches kind of come uh dirk is here obviously um dirk castra and there's usually a student athlete um forgive me that there's a track guy there this year long distance runner uh, I believe Mike was his first name, um, and he spoke. Uh, but you basically, the first hour is just people mingling. They're talking to the coaches before they go up on stage if they're there early. And then at 7, they, uh, you know, Dirk kind of comes and gives you a State of the Union address a little bit. Um, and then whoever the assistant coach is, this time it was uh, Coach Vandross uh, with basketball. He and, well, first Mike, the the student, did it and oh back let me back that up austin castro was there and he he talked after dirk um so we had two student athletes and that was pretty interesting to see because you know austin as a freshman i was watching dirk in the back of the room watching austin talk that was pretty pretty cool as a as a dad to think about what that moment moment would be like but you know it's just it, it's usually it's kind of you know you know chumming the sharks you know <laughs> it's, it's all good news but this one was a little bit different as we'll get into but, um, yeah, I mean, when Dirk talked, you know, a lot of talk was about Carla um, and, and the state of fundraising. Um, last year, the VAF brought in $49 million, which was the most they brought in in a single year since the year the JPJ was funded, which is pretty impressive. But um, Dirk and Carla's mission is to make that the average moving forward. So it's pretty low in the ACC, but a good year. Um, I don't know if you have anything specific you, you want to ask, Brad, but, you know, because otherwise it would be a long, boring talk of me going through all the issues. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Ferber to uh, – I'm going to ask one, and then if Ferber has a, uh, something to chime in, because I, I hate these, these shows where, where one of us is, like, super quiet yep, yep. for, like, 45 minutes. Um, but before that, let, so you didn't get Carla. You got Bronco and, 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 and Orlando. Let's, let's talk about them separately. Um, this would then, I guess, be your second time seeing Bronco at one of these events. Yes, yes. Um, what's uh, what sort of let's just let's just go like this route. What sort of stood out to you? Um, I mean, look, it's like a it, this is like a merry-go-round, right? Of of these things that these coaches go to, um, and I would imagine that they're getting asked the same sort of questions. Um, but what sort of stood out to you about what Bronco had to say and sort of what his overall? Um, um, vibe was. I mean, it's different. Um, I'll get into a look. I'm not the guy who sits there like the like the other um, the other members at the event. Um, I'll usually go up and talk to the coaches, and I don't give the BS. Hey, nice to meet you. I'll usually ask them like pointed questions because they they want to talk about it. It's off the record. They have stuff to say, so I'll kind of save that for later. But um, as far as the general vibe of Bronco, so the first year. Like literally, he's learning Virginia, right? He's in his black suit, 
and you know you could tell he was a little uncomfortable in the setting um i would say 75 percent of the people at the event have a drink in their hand talking to, talking to bronco and he's learning in the area um and you know his talk was basically the a couple of years ago was basically the same talk we heard leading up to the season you know they're not given not practicing football and this is why and that was all well received two years ago um this year it was a different bronco like i think i t tried to text you guys the cell coverage is terrible you know bronco pulled up with his son in his uh his dodge ram quad cab and bronco got out wearing jeans cowboy boots a huge buckle and a blazer and button-up shirt um and pretty much his outfit matched his mood it wasn't the it wasn't the same bronco i mean he really got into like why we need to do more on the funding side of football, the deficits in football. Um, he didn't pull any punches and it was, it was much different than a couple of years ago. Now, some of what he had to say was spoiled by a Jeff White article <laughs> a couple of days later, but um, it, it was really good. And you, you hit it on the head, like the vibe between Bronco this year and two years, two years ago was clearly a guy who's seen enough now and thinks he has the, you know, has a pretty good grasp of the, of the issues and he's not going to stand in front of a room full of people who write checks and not be honest with them. Um, I thought it was refreshing. I was kind of looking around the room. There were some smirks and there's kind of this like malaise about football. Like don't give us excuses, but, um, and a couple of the questions were kind of pointed that way too. So, but Bronco himself clearly more cowboy esque in, in his, uh, in his demeanor. Yeah, so basically, simple one. Um, you know, what what kinds of questions did Bronco uh, answer that you thought were interesting? Um, like, what what sort of questions did he get from the crowd, and, and how did he, you know, answer those? Like, whichever one stood out to you. Well, the very first one, um, this older gentleman asked him, and look, I, I can only go by tone, not intent, right? And his tone was, I would say, snarky, comma, <laughs> comma quizzical. Um, that, that was his tone. And his first question was like, you know, how long are we going to continue this rent a rent a quarterback program we've got going on? And <laughs> did he actually phrase it like that? That is exactly what he called it: rent a quarterback. Um, and Bronco well, kind of took I mean, a that second. just in its in its sense is, I mean, even if the intentions were good, that the phrasing leads you to believe that it's a negative connotation. Exactly, which is why you know I can only go by his tone and what he said. Now I would say snarky, snarky was the only way to go with it. And Bronco kind of took a second and made a little face, and then, then he kind of, I, I wouldn't say he put the guy in his place, but he kind of did. I mean, the very first thing, you know, his answer was. When you inherit a program that hasn't been to you know a bowl game and however I can't forgive me for not remembering, I was at 2011 prior to Bronco. Is that right? Um, yes. So you know, he said when we got here, uh, you have to realize you know the quarterback is the most important position on the team, and he, of the last 16 quarterbacks recruited at the University of Virginia, 11 of them transferred for you know, so. When they got here, they looked at the roster. There was no succession planning. All the stuff we heard. But his point was, the guys on the roster, they didn't think they could win. You know, they weren't comfortable going to going to battle with those guys. So they went and found a grad transfer in Kurt Brinkert. They gave him two years, and he really talked up Kurt. You know, he said Kurt's not the not the prototypical guy. We kind of adjusted the offense to him. Um, you know, we won six games, got got to the postseason with him, and now he's in minicamp with the Falcons. So 
you know, ideally he said you don't have to do it, but he's like, we got another one coming in this year, and he's got two years, and that's it. And he's like, while we're talking about renting players, so we're also renting all offensive linemen. You know, we rented a couple last year and rented one this year, and I'll do another one if we have to, and that'll continue. Um, he said we'd like to rent a defensive lineman. We wouldn't mind renting a wide receiver. And he basically said as long as the roster has the issues with depth and succession planning that existed when he got here and they're still working to resolve that he fills the grad transfer route and being able to sell the idea of coming to have, as you've heard before, you know, coming to have a great experience as a post-grad and getting a master's degree from the University of Virginia is a, is a benefit for them. And as long as it helps build the roster, they'll continue to do it. Um, and you got pretty it's good also kind of like the norm in college football now. I mean, it's it's happening everywhere more often. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, right? obviously the quarterback position is very like up front, but I mean, it, it it's not like UVA is the only you know program to have a grad transfer quarterback. No, Dave, I, I, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say when you when when you've been to enough of these things, you can sort of tell by the room the the sort of feeling um, of of those who are asking the questions and who are, um, you know, conceivably writing checks. It seems like from the way you're sort of describing it, that Bronco got the sort of reaction that you would expect after a two in 10 season, but not after taking a team to the bowl game. Do we feel like, I mean, you, you heard the other questions that were sort of asked. Do you, do you feel like that's a function of just the way the bowl game ended? Or is it just a general sort of, um, maybe the fans have just not reengaged despite, some of the some of the um, signs of life from last season. I'd say it's one hundred percent the bowl game. Um, Interesting. I mean, it was. Yeah, I think it, he's probably right. I mean, the fan base I think took a step back the way the season ended last year. But go yeah. ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason I say it with confidence is um, when Bronco was talking about how they played last season, he, he was very honest. You know, um, he said when the when the coaches sat around in their meetings and looked at the season at the end of fall practice last year, they were convinced if they got, if they maximized the play, limited injuries, and, you know, maximize the play at every position, limited injuries, and, and put in good game plans, they had enough to get to six and six, you know, get to the postseason um, with the schedule they had. And he said they felt, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he said, you know, we put, the coaches, the players, everyone put everything they had into that season, and boom, they got to 6-6 six, six and got to a bowl. And then he said, and as you can see, when we got to the bowl, we had nothing left. And it was pretty, you know, pretty apparent, and the entire crowd laughed. Like this big, the loudest reaction he got of the night. So it was clearly on people's minds, which is why I think you know, it, it's what's driving the – I wouldn't say it's complete cynicism, but I just think it's, you know, it, it's a – just it's still a wait and see approach from the fan base. When you um, so when you hear Bronco talk, did, was there anything that you sort of took away from that? I mean, you had you had the benefit of having you know read a lot of Carla Williams's comments the previous week, and when you when you left out of there, or at least when Bronco's portion of the program was over, was did you feel like there was anything that you learned? Was there anything that you took away that was you know quote unquote new? Like what's what was your sort of takeaway um, after after Broncos portion was done? I mean, kind of realizing where we are as a football program compared to our peers. I mean, I think we all kind of know bits and pieces. We hear 
we hear talk about how the McHugh Center is kind of outdated. Um, but when, when you start hearing the hard truths of where our football program is, is with regards to spending and uh, investment, it's pretty mind-boggling. I mean, out of 66 Power 5 programs, Virginia is 64th in football spending, which I find completely unacceptable. And if you're a Virginia grad with you know, Virginia donor, like that should embarrass you. I mean, I'm trying to guess who could be behind us. I'm guessing Kansas is one of them. <laughs> I, I don't know who the other one could be. Um, Wake Forest, probably like Wake Forest. Yeah, but I'm not sure Wake Forest would be you know, would be behind us. But, but and that's pretty. It could sad also company, be like right? an Indiana or something like that. You know, a team that a program that just doesn't emphasize football as much. Yeah, but I mean, it's still it's like. But that's not where you want to be, or it could be like Washington State or something. You know? Oh yeah, it could but that's be. not UVA should be ahead of those schools. Yeah, and when people complain, hey, we don't have any money because we're pay- we're buying out contracts. Well, I mean, trust me, the contracts aren't getting you to sixty fourth in spending. Um, you know, that that's pretty pathetic. And then the other thing he said that I didn't know was that twelve of the ACC football programs have built. Or have no have already finished football-related uh, improvements to facilities, whether it's a new field house, new whatever, since Virginia finished the indoor facility. So I mean, there's constant movement, and Virginia hasn't put a pretty much a penny into building stuff, other than those two monstrosities on the hill <laughs> at the football stadium, um, which are temporary. But you know that that's it's an arms race, and when when you're when you're not competing, when you, you know, we're not spending the money, it just makes it harder. Um, the I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying to go through my notes. Remember how he phrased it, but um, yeah, he basically said, you know, the 13 to 15 years before he got here, for some reason, football had not had shifted from being the number one, you know, the number one priority for the athletics department. Um, and it was pretty clear when he got here, it was definitely not number one. He doesn't know why, and Carla kind of feels the same way. Um, I was hoping Carla would be there because she had been some of the, uh, some of the other VAF functions, but she was at the ACC meetings, which were wrapping up that day, um, so she didn't get to come. But yeah, I mean that that just I mean it's hard to you know it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to get donations when you've had the the track record of failure we've had, but it, it seems like to me Virginia needs someone to just take a chance on the program. Um, I don't have the money. If I did, I certainly would, without my <laughs> wife's permission. <laughs> to, you know, it's like a it's like a vicious circle, though. I mean, it's like a vicious circle where it's like, you know, people aren't willing to spend money on a product that they don't find worth their time or money. Right. Um, and then it's like the product won't be worth their time or money until more money is invested. Yeah, like, it's like, so it's like it's you just, can't it get goes, like it's the same with attendance. It's like, yeah. oh, the attendance won't go up until the product gets better. But then it's like, uh, you know, in order for there to have a, them to have a better home field advantage, they need more people there. So and not just like, that, but in order to get kids to think that the program that people are invested in it, they need to have a better attendance. And that way they have a better, better attendance means more money in the coffers. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's definitely a vicious cycle. I mean, ultimately what they have to do is they have to win games with what, you know, with whatever they can get on the roster. Um, and then win games, put people in the stands and, and get momentum. Like you're not going to, you know, nobody's going to take like a, um, 
you know, I send out an email to everybody. I'm like, hey guys, let's let's make this season the best one yet, and let's just go ahead and support them. And then all everybody just comes to the games, even though the team isn't that great. Like that's just, you know what I mean? Like they're gonna have to win um, with whatever they got in order to to get there. Uh, Dave, when when you um, you go into these things and 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 being the sort of uh, fan you are, and the you know we joke on you all the time about your the hand ringing and stuff. I guess my last question on Bronco is when you, when you went home that night, did, did you leave feeling like things, I don't want to say we're like on the right track, but like, did you, did you leave feeling comfortable with what you had heard? Even if you were upset about some of the realities, like the, the spending aspect and, and certainly the, um, you know, the, 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 the part about, um, um, you know, needing more. Um, did you leave feeling like, all right, Bronco understands. And, um, you know, I, kind of, I kind of like the trajectory right now. Well, first of all, it was an open bar. My wife was driving. I left feel, feeling a whole lot different than that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, at the, uh, no, I do. And it, it's not just what Bronco said. It's the combination of Bronco and Carla. And it's, you know, I, I kind of mentioned, I got a chance you know, I went over and talked to Bronco before the thing when there was no one around. And, you know, you know, the, I, I exchanged pleasantries with them and, and whatever. But then I asked him, I was like, what do you think of Carla Williams? And he went on like this five minute looking at the telestrator in the sky conversation. Um, <laughs> the telestrator in the sky. <laughs> if you've watched it, you'll know what he we're does talking that. about. Um, he, he went on like a five minute conversation about her and, you know, he, he kind of hits the same points we did. You know, he said, you know, she is remarkable at asking the right questions and actually listening what we have to say and then articulating that need to our to our donors and our fans um, and to, you know, the other parts of the university. So for me, I do feel better because I, I like the fact that Bronco is coming out and putting the pressure. I'm assuming he's given the same speech, you know, at, at all these, at all these right. functions he's right. doing. Putting that pressure on him, like I don't think Bronco is going to be the guy who gets you to open your checkbook, but if he's being candid with you like that, like people will respect that. Uh, he's not making excuses. Like you know, when, when he talked about all the issues this year, um, when people asked about this year's team, you know, he kind of went over the the problem, you know, the problems with it, and he pretty much said, if we, you know, same thing last year, if we maximize and we we play 17, 18, 19 of the kids coming in and they maximize their potential, we have a chance to make the postseason again, and maybe this time we can win the bowl game. I think that kind of honesty coupled with, even though we have these issues, you know, him saying we have these issues with you know, spending and investment, but we're still going to do the best we can with what we have. I think him saying that with Carla and how she is, being able to follow up and articulate and agree with Bronco on those points, I think she's the one that's going to get the pocketbooks to open. And that's one of the things I asked him straightforward. I said, do you think you're at a disadvantage asking for money, you know, from donors versus, versus Carla, just because of what happened to the guys who had your job before you? And, I, um, and he said, yes. He's like, yeah, I wasn't here, but, you know, it, when, when there's a reason I'm here and when the two guys before me had to get bought out, I understand having a coach asking for more than, than what we get is, is gonna, not going to be well-received. So that's why, you know, he said, I think Carla's perfect for what we need to do. Um, and so for those two, you know, just because, not just because of what I heard, but because we have Carla Williams as the AD, who has, you know, articulated in articles and, 
you know, in interviews and when you met her. Um, she's not afraid to say what needs to be said, and I think that that combo is going to be good for the program. So then you got to hear from Orlando uh, Vandross, who I'm, I'm assuming this was the first time you ever heard him. Um, give me some impressions. Not like don't <laughs> do not do an impression of him. Give me some impressions <laughs> of what I can't. he said. He's an interesting dude, man. He is, um, he is. Yeah, he went he went first before Bronco. Bronco was the, the kind of the end of the night guy, um, but Orlando got had to share the stage. You know, it, it was pretty pretty quick. Um, I got a chance to talk to him before the before the event too, and then after, like no one really knew who he was. <laughs> I mean, that was the sad part. Um, and he was a little nervous. He admitted because it, it was one of the first. Yeah, you know, I think it was his first social event. You know, VAF socially had done because Willowfield was supposed to be there, um, but. I like him. He was pretty engaging. You could tell he was nervous, though. And the longer he was on stage, um, the more comfortable he got. And honestly, the difference in the conversation I had with him before his talk and after after the event were much. It was pretty dramatic. He was much more relaxed afterwards. Um, but he seems, you know, I I can see why why he's a good recruiter. I mean, he was working the room pretty good on the way out once people realized who he was and. Um, you know, he didn't have a whole bunch to say uh, about the program other than it was the first event. They actually got clearance to talk about Kafaro and Kafaro uh, and uh, Braxton Key by name uh, just as he was going up on stage. So he he talked a little about Braxton and called him strong and prepared with, you know, a ton of SEC experience. And he said he, he will be the perfect replacement for DeAndre Hunter. And when he said that, there was a little gasp in the room, and he's like, well, yeah, it's kind of sad to have to plan on replacing a you know, a second-year player, but that, that, that's probably coming. So, And then Kafaro, for those of you who kind of see what the staff, wondering how the staff sees him, he, was, he lavished a lot of praise on him. Um, he called him gifted. Uh, he's peaking athletically. He's got elite hands. They believe he can develop salt-like physicality, which is pretty pretty bold. Um, and he thinks he, and he said he's got a scoring ability in the post that has been absent from the last couple of couple of teams. So, pretty high praise for a, a guy coming from New Zealand, or sorry, is it Australia, Argentina, Australia? Wow, you are all over the map there, brother. That was a, that was looking a, at a picture of Jack Salt Max <laughs> over here. <laughs> you really took some good notes. I, I think the thing about um, O that a lot of people are going to learn um, through the course of that, and you know, hopefully, um, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. I'll get to do my um, assistant coach um, series again. Um, but I mean, that dude knows ball. Like he he has been. Um, he's got he, he's got a lot of uh, tr- uh, of experience, um, and and I feel like. Um, when he says a guy can do this or that, I think uh, I think people should listen, um, even if even if like you said, he's he's somebody who's you know relatively obviously new face and somebody who they haven't heard you know talk a little bit. Um, but I think his ability to um, to 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 I don't want to say shake to say shake things up, but I think he he brings an interesting ability because he does have that experience. He's not he's a new coach to the staff. But he's not new, and he's certainly not new to coaching. Like he's done this, and so like I think his ability to sort of because he is such a um, you know his his background is, is really in recruiting. I think that's a, a good thing for them. Um, did he talk much about the current players or anything like that? I mean, obviously he was asked about 
you know the tournament exit and how the how the team was Wait, dealing what? with it. Really? Well, yeah, I was, I was yeah, going to make yeah. that joke too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Did you notice how I didn't leave with that? Like, I mean, to me, it wasn't even an issue. But um, you know, he yeah, said he like, still uh, thinks hey, about Bronco, it. Hey Bronco, how was the uh, how was the bowl game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, well, and uh, also, how was the uh, UMBC game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people. It came up. Um, I'm trying to remember. Honestly, I didn't take a note on how he's answered it because that you guys know how I feel about talking about that at this point. Um, but he did say he felt the team was, was very focused um, and he was proud of how they how they responded to it. So, um, yeah, he didn't really talk about much leading about what he thought the team was going to be. Because I, mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of questions out there about what they're going to be. People expect them to be good. But he says, you know, he said they're working hard and, they, you know, learn from their mistakes. And, and he was proud of the way they, they dealt with the defeat. Um, let's see, Justin, you have anything else on, on, on Vandross? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> basketball seems so like out of mind for me right now. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just me. It, that's what's funny. It's like, like we're, we're far away from the next season now. It just feels like a long ways away. It does. And at the same um, time, like I'm getting ready to go to Hampton on, on uh Saturday morning or Friday night. Um, and you know, watch these kids and it's just, it's weird to me, like how it does seem so far away, but like, and then actually it's, it's also not, you know what I mean? I, um, you, you said that Dave, that they, that he got to talk about the, the new guys. Um, did any, did he, did he, did he get any questions? Did anybody, was there, was there any Q and a for him? Uh, there was, but it was, it was pretty short. Um, you know, he, I'm trying to tell my notes what was the question was him just talking i think most of him talking was q a to be honest with you right now you got um, to you got to spend some time talking to him directly um, yeah a little bit i mean but before the event i didn't ask him anything really pointed i just kind of asked him if you know what was it like to be on the road and what the mm-hmm. event was like and um he had some you know at that point it was pretty close to time for him to get started but afterwards i, I asked him point blank <laughs> i was like coach uh nice meeting you um it's like quick question did you have any interest in Brock Stoll? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we really liked him. Um, yeah. But I asked him if they were still on the, you know, if they're still looking to add a, another piece. And he said, if they could find another Nigel Johnson, that's great. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how he left it. I don't know if he means we need another, you know, point guard or we need another, you know, another guard. I don't, I don't want to take too much from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Out, I got you. No, that's cool. Well, I appreciate you going. I mean, I know you were going to go anyway, but I appreciate you taking notes and 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 kind of bringing your um, uh, yeah, your wares yeah. to the podcast. I, yeah. So, so Dave, straight to the point. Uh, how much money did you give? After <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave. How much did you I, donate? I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm pretty much after my donation this year and what I ate and drank, I probably broke even. Um, <laughs> no, it was. I did the other thing. The only thing I I was going through my notes real quick before we wrap up. Um, when we were talking about Virginia, Virginia is the only power five program that doesn't have, that has an artificial, um, artificial practice field, which, you know, doesn't have it yet. Without That's, a grass field. Yeah. Without a grass practice field, you know, right. they can go to Scott stadium, but it's, they don't have the practice field. Um, and now and, they do, they go over to, um, whatchamacallit now, Lambeth field. Yeah. Lambeth. Yeah. yeah. But he, you know, they were talking about Broncos talking about you know their issues with depth and and roster development, and, you know, and succession planning. I'm sorry, um, especially along the lines. And he, that's one of the things he brought up. He's like, you know, that's another issue we have. Is, you know, in football, there's a seven percent 
concussion rate that goes up a little bit when you play on artificial turf. And here we are, the only Power Five pro program with artificial artificial practice field. So basically, when they're practicing on the artificial turf, they're not letting their big guys go go at it as hard as they do on the grass. Um, so, you know, that and I'm trying to see if anything else interested. And I think that's about the only interesting thing. Oh, Did you uh, ask Bronco about Penn State's recruiting? <laughs> I should have. I, I think I told you guys off air, but it was a cool anecdote. Um, you know, when Bronco was talking about the facilities and the lack of investment, he mentioned, you know, he mentioned recruiting and how they were, they were working their tails off and how they really want to recruit better in the state. But he said it takes – they're working like four to five times harder to get a recruit from the state of Virginia than they do getting a recruit from out of state. And he, you know, he said, well, we get guys on campus and they really like us. They like what we're selling. Um, we feel pretty good about them. And then they go home and they tell their friends or their coaches that, hey, I'm really interested in UVA. And they pretty much get dropped because, you, got, you know, like you said, you got to realize these kids were three or four years old the last time Virginia beat Virginia Tech. Um and the further and, you get away from those visits, it's just like it's you're fighting yeah. an uphill battle, and that's why it seems like they have a really hard time getting kids that they don't close on visits from Virginia. I think I mean they do find in other states in that regard, but it just seems like once kids visit, if they don't come back, um, like Ronnie Walker, for example, like he visited a bunch of times, and then it was like eventually he kind of stopped coming, and then I mean Brad would know better than I would, but it seemed that way, and then it was kind of like all right, things are starting to kind of fade. And yeah, that's kind of training away from them. That's an interesting sort of thing that's happened to them, because it sort of happened with uh, Becton too, where you have a kid who comes up and he's there all the time, and then out of nowhere, it's like, well, why, why, why would he come back? It's almost like you, you, you like to have a kid on grounds as much as possible, but in a way, you kind of don't. Like in a way, you sort of want to, um, you, you kind of want to stoke that fire as opposed to like letting him get to the place where like he doesn't want to come back because there isn't anything else for him to know about. Um, and, and it's funny, I, I was on, uh, best seat in the house, uh, last night with, uh, Jay James and we're talking about like, um, you know, the, the idea that like there are these other schools that are recruiting Virginia better than Virginia is. And, and in a way, like you, you really not, you're really, I mean, there's what, what, what expectations should you have for, for UVA's in-state recruiting? And I mean, I said, look, you probably should be bringing in more kids from Virginia than you are Hawaii, but the closer you are to home, the more the warts show, you know, like, like you know to that point like you know you've got people around you that that know more about virginia um than you do if you're you know a kid from um fort lauderdale or if you're a kid from honolulu i mean ultimately you're gonna have to win especially that one game especially before people start to take it seriously um and, yeah and that's yeah, definitely right. that's definitely got to be a theme for them um you know, it's funny, you mentioned also, the, hold on one second, you mentioned the practice field. Yeah. I, when they built the indoor and they were going to put in the the art the turf, I, I at the time, I don't even think it even registered to me that they, maybe that wasn't the right idea. But man, maybe that wasn't the right idea. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem too hard to pull up the turf and like put some dirt there, does it? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm no you know, landscape guy, but... I mean, I guess actually like now to think about hard. it, they had the two fields... I believe both fields were 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 yeah artificial. they were already turf yeah I mean because that's where lacrosse you know practiced at one point I think but, at one point it was like fiscally responsible to have turf fields because it's just like less upkeep once you put them in that's why all the high schools are starting to go to turf fields now because they don't have to deal with it you know like it's one surface you play on it all year long but now it's kind of like you know with the concussions and 
you know, other injuries that seem to pop up a little bit more frequently with artificial turf, it seems like maybe you would want to have a grass field. Not to mention, you play almost all of your games on grass field. So I think, you know, obviously you'd want to practice on it as much as possible. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, um, the, I forgot what you were saying at the end there, Brad, but, um, you know, the big difference between, oh, I was going to say, like, we all know Virginia has lost Virginia Tech whatever number of years it is. I'm not going to say it loudly. Um, but you think about it, like, do y'all know like when the last time Oklahoma lost to Texas was? I mean, you you don't really know that stuff that verbatim if it's not, you know, like you were saying, like unless it's your school. Like I, I believe Georgia's beaten Georgia Tech like pretty much almost as bad as Tech Virginia Tech's beaten us um, until recently. So it, it, you know that stuff isn't as big of a deal when you're out of state. Um, but the big issue, and I'm sure we've mentioned it before, you know, but the big issue when let's say you sign 20 kids and 19 of them are out of state, you know, in-state tuition costs the VAF 32,000 versus 66,000 for out of state. So if you're paying $34,000 or more per year per kid times 19, like that's money that could be going elsewhere. Um, so there is a huge advantage to, to recruiting in-state from a fiscal, you know, um, viewpoint, but. You know, and there's also the benefit of, if you have, if you recruit, if you're bringing in 22 recruits, right, and 20, and 20, let's say 19 of them are from anywhere else, uh, those are also kids that 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 don't have any connections with recruits you're trying to get in state. So the more your yeah, team, yeah, so is, next year you can leverage those relationships. Yeah, like you to, know, if you get in state kids, right? Exactly. Like in the future, right? So now, if, uh, more of your of your roster is full of dudes who aren't from here. They don't have It's not like you know when Virginia got Trey. Then they could go get smoke, and then once they had Trey and smoke, they could go get Quinn. You know what I mean? Like the connections that you have between these kids are just non-existent in a lot of ways. Now, one thing that I mean, I wrote a story uh, that ran uh, on Tuesday of you know a 2020 defensive tackle from Gulliver Prep. His coach is a former Cavalier. He's got a former teammate, Mandy Alonzo, who's now a Cavalier. Deshaun Perry, a current teammate, is is coming on an official visit next month. That he could be a Cavalier, like. They're building these pipelines in these random schools a long, long way away from Charlottesville, and yet somehow you know they, they've got to get it done. But I, I do think if you think about it from both the, the the financial aspect, right, of what it costs the VAF, but also what it costs the team in terms of the lost um, the lost potential um, networking, and and like if you had a bunch of kids from. Uh, a handful of high schools in either 757 or 703, you might be able to scrap to get, make, you know, put some things together and, and turn that into a pipeline. Um, you're not going to probably get that from most anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing Virginia, we, we do have going for us is I believe wholeheartedly based on what I've read and what I've heard recently that by the end of this summer, we will have approved plans for the new football facility and they'll start fundraising. Now, you're not going to have that facility built in time to recruit for this year, probably even next year. Um, but just having the You can the start plans, to sell the idea yeah, of it being exactly. on the way. Yeah, you know, if you're going to be here four years, it's going to be done your sophomore year. You can start selling it. So, I mean, I think Virginia's going to have that. You're going to see this continued emphasis on football from Carla, and Bronco's going to be more willing to, you know, kind of stick his neck out now that he's got a little bit of time here. But I, but I think the other thing Virginia fans can be a little confident about, too, maybe I'm wrong here, is that at this point, given how poorly Virginia's recruiting in the state and all this stuff about football spending, 
the fact that Virginia Tech is not taking all of these players makes it a little easier for Virginia to flip it. Um, well, I mean, right now Virginia Virginia Tech should be cleaning up. I mean, with the money they've do- donated, dominating their in-state rival, and they are losing the same battles we are to Penn State and everyone else. Well, so I think what do they do to switch? That? No, no, no. I think the difference the difference is is that they're also getting some other good ones. Um, you know, like they they do have a handful of uh, you know the last couple of classes. You look at you know, real realistically, nineteen is still building. But you look at what they did in eighteen; they still had a really good class. Now they're having to go out of state some too, uh, because a lot of the players in Virginia are just going out of state. And your and your point is well taken. Like if 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 Tech is is doing what Tech is doing and also struggling, um, then what you know what margin do they have to flip it? I would just say that um, while while Tech is 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 also losing battles to you know the Penn States and whoever they're they're doing better in state and there's no way to kind of get around that there there are a handful of kids in that top 35 in Virginia in 2018 um who were guys that Virginia wanted that Tech got um the Mitchell kid the Cole um Beck um there are a handful of them um I believe the Chapman kid also had an offer um now I think the bigger point is is that realistically right now when it comes to kids in the state, Virginia doesn't have to – the competition is not Virginia Tech. The competition, quite frankly, is Virginia against itself because you're – there's not one animal that you have to fight off, right? Yeah, Penn State got, you know, Ricky Slade and Penn State just got Devin Ford and Brandon uh, and and Penn State, you know, probably has a really good shot at Cam Kelly if, if they still have space. Um but that being said, like you, you're not really recruiting against Penn State because Penn State is going to come in and, and cherry pick. What you're re- if you're Virginia, what you're recruiting against is the perception of Virginia, and that's got to be the thing that changes. And the only way that changes is if is if they win some games. And I think that's the that's got to be a big you know focus for beyond just you know beating one school. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's kind of my point. Tech's not building a class with 20 Virginia guys, so you don't have quite the hurdle to build with with the relationships like Justin was talking about with them having built. So it's still a hurdle. They're still getting better guys than we are. But honestly, that proportionally compared to where they are versus where we've been, they should be doing better. Um, and I, I know plenty of Hokie fans, especially after this week, with them losing a couple of battles to out-of-state, who would, who would agree. So, look, it's not ideal. It's just not as the hill to climb is not as bad as it could be. Yeah, because you're not getting dominated in recruiting by the team that's also dominant. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there, there is a little bit of a, of a, um, you know, there are some fissures that you can sort of uh, make some hay out of. Um, anything else to, to, to come for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? All right, as always, I, I love asking that question because you guys never say anything. It's always great. Hey, Justin, unleash the furry tomorrow night, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank everybody out there. Uh, if you found the show uh, via Apple Podcast or whatever app you, you get podcasts uh, and you're not uh, familiar with Cast Corner, give us a look. Um, plenty of football recruiting stuff. And like I said, I'll be in Hampton this weekend watching a bunch of Virginia targets on the EYBL circuit. Um, and if you're also somebody who obviously has uh, found the site, subscribes and, and listens to the podcast, feel free to give us a, a, a review. That always helps us to, to get the word out and to, to bring in more listeners. So I really appreciate and always uh, appreciate uh, Dave and, and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, especially this week. Dave doing a, a, a yeoman's work, getting some notes and bringing us uh, some stuff to talk about. So. 
um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, my, my guess is we'll be back next week. I, I'm, I'm trying to line up some different stuff for the spring and summer. Um, just so it's not just the three of us droning on and on. Um, although I, I know some of you guys like, you know, uh, us droning on and on, um, like Dave's mailman, for example, likes it when we drone on and on. Um, but we will, uh, probably be back next week for you. So until then for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of capscorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.